This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to this bonus edition of the Reasonable Doubt podcast. My name is Rob Rosen. I'm the creator and executive producer of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Fatima Silva, criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I am investigator Chris Anderson, a retired homicide detective and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. All right, so this bonus episode is because the very first episode, the very first episode that ever aired of Reasonable Doubt was about rapper Mac Phipps. And it was a case uh that you got behind uh chris you had a different partner in, in that first season mac phipps a couple of months ago was released uh he had been sentenced to 30 years uh for the murder of a guy named baron victor who had been a uh, a fan who had been at one of his shows um it basically was a one witness case and he did serve 21 years, but he got an early release and he's a free man. And in a little bit, we're going to have a we're going to play a conversation with him. We caught up to him uh, back home in New Orleans. Yeah, man, it was really, really good to see Mac uh, released. And, and now he's free and uh, out of prison. You know, it just lets you know that in some cases, our, our criminal justice system is just not as effective as it as it should be. You know, here was a case where there were several witnesses initially that never really had much to 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 add into the case. But when it came down to court, it became a one witness ID. And now that witness is now recanting his statement. So, you know, but it was good to see Mac free. He's a he's a much he's a completely changed man and and uh it was just a joy to catch back up with him and talk with him now fatima i have a feeling i know what you're going to say to this but yet again we're talking about a case uh there were two witnesses uh at max trial one of them just fell apart and basically recanted on the stand so basically uh the jury convicted based on one witness this this case is extremely troubling um the the one witness ids they're they're so difficult and we know that from from so many of our episodes but this one especially i i thought was even more interesting because it made sense right so in other cases you're like well why would somebody identify that person and that's kind of what people seem to keep thinking right why did she identify him what was it about him that she would have identified him and this you could apply this to any one of our episodes where we have this, but, and and you think, oh, maybe it was just random, but I think a lot of people, especially on the jury would say, well, why, why would someone just pick out a random person? No, they must've seen them. This case is different and even scarier because Mac is popular. Everybody knows him. People are there to watch him. And he admits, I'm running through the club with a gun. So it looks, it looks bad. It looks like he's possibly the one who did it. And he admits that. He's he says, I mean, that's that definitely did not look good. I I but it <clears throat> but his response made sense, right? I mean, you're caring, 
uh, he was legally carrying, correct, Chris? That's correct. And so, you know, the, the kinds of hip hop clubs and party scene and when these concerts are happening, these kinds of things happen. These kinds of fights break out. I live in Oakland. <laughs> I live in the Bay Area. So uh, it happens a lot. And it's not unusual for somebody to be strapped to try to protect themselves in case they're a target. There's so many things that if you were to see it from the outside and just take away that identification, right, which he admits to, he's running through the club with a gun. But um, if you just, it, he's he's there and his family is working the doors, He's he's got his family there with him. His parents are there. Is this a guy who's just going to go off and shoot someone? Is this the kind of guy that he is? And I appreciated the episode because it got into a little more about his background. And uh, I think people often do have this perception that the lyrics and your art defines who you are, but it is still a job. It is still a way to earn an income. And sometimes people they forget the, that doesn't mean that's the real person, right? A lot of people see Chris and I on television and we're not actors. We're not faking who we are, but there's a lot to us. You also don't see, right? There's silly sides to us. There's, um, you know, very bold. And- I, I, I think they've, I think they've picked up on this if they listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, I, you know, I do want to play one clip from D one, who's a rapper who make made friends with uh, Mac. He had a really good comment. I thought about this idea that someone could use an artist's words or lyrics against them. They pull one over on the jury with that one. If we were all held accountable for 100% of the words that we have ever said in our lives, all of us would be guilty. That was just a great comment. And talking to D1 or watching that interview with D1 was just amazing because I've always, I've been a fan of his for a very long time. And, and you know, uh, he's always been a very positive and, and uplifting type hip hop artist. But if people see him on the street, they would probably get a different perspective of who he is. But that man is incredibly intelligent and, and very, very well spoken. So I enjoyed that interview. And Fatima, you said something that was very important and I just don't want us to to really just pass over without mentioning it. During some of these cases that we look into, uh, when we when we look into those cases, it's the explanation that doesn't make sense in a lot of the cases. It's the it's the 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 their response to what the the people on the jury were saying that didn't make sense. Well, when you look at this case, this case is different because everything that he said it, it makes sense. If you if you've been a fan of hip hop, you know that there are fights that break out. If you've been a fan of of anything the first uh, or if you're a son or you're uh, and you know that your parents are, are are somewhere around where there is violence happening the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to protect your family so max says that when he hears the shots he pulls out his gun and he runs through the crowd to do what to find his parents that's exactly what i would have done had i been in that exact same situation so everything in this case was understandable and uh yeah there was there was a, just a lot that went into it that was a little I bit thought it was, i thought it was thing. really interesting with the witness identification expert because we talk a lot about how difficult it is to identify someone that you don't know but obviously mm-hmm. everybody at that club knew mac they were there to see him right. the thing is you have an unexpected event, a shot goes out, everybody's panicking and running out, and you see Mac running through the club with a gun. And for some of the witnesses, at least initially, it was hard for them to distinguish whether they saw that before or after. after and I thought that was a really interesting phenomenon. Very interesting, very, very interesting. It's really sad because I'm so happy that he's been released and he has this opportunity, but this is, a case and I'm sure for anyone who proclaims their innocence, um, it's gotta be tough. I'm sure he wants to be exonerated. He wants his name cleared and it should be. So I I hope that that does happen and that the fight doesn't stop, but I'm glad he's home. There were a lot of things going against him. I mean, I believe that this happened, his trial happened literally like a week after nine 11 Mm -hmm. and it was an all white jury and anyone who's old enough to remember the mood in this country um, was, you know, people fear, just fear, didn't fear. have a lot of, 
Yeah, a lot of fear and and just nobody had a lot of patience for anything. People were pissed. Well, and, and let's um, be honest. That, they I use mean, that fear during the arguments too. You know, they they use the fear of him, some of the lyrics that he said, some of the things that he was saying in his records, and they played on that fear. And that's that's the scary part. And it just reminds me of what D one said. You know, we all were held accountable for the one hundred percent for one hundred percent of the things that we had said. We all be guilty, man. I know oh I've said God. some things. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah but i mean but but i mean how about just art right just i mean art, right? nobody nobody says martin scorsese needs to be locked up because he created goodfellas or whoever right. wrote the silence of the lambs i mean right. people creative people come up with horrific things and that's art i think and i i but i see the other side too right and if you are from if you come from a community that isn't familiar with um, that lifestyle and, and that kind of art, you don't look at it as art. You, you do see it as it's a whole lifestyle, right? I mean, there, and let's be honest, there is a reason, and a lot of people may not like this, but the truth is there is a reason why a lot of hip hop concerts or rap shows and, and things of that nature, there are fights that break out and people who show up with guns. The reason is a lot of the listeners, a lot of the fans don't realize that's not really that person's way of life. They're just giving you art. They're just giving you beats and things you want to hear, things you could possibly relate to, but that's not necessarily how they're living their life. And I think that's where a lot of the fans get this misconception that they have to be hard like that. And the lyrics get in their head. And if you're angry and you do want to do those things and you're listening to the lyrics, it can influence you. But Rob, just like you said, if you're a sicko and a pervert and all of that, then watching certain movies is also going to trigger you. Right. Um, and you're absolutely right. Those people are not held to the same standard, but I think if you're accused of a crime such as this, that falls in line, right. Just the simple gun violence. And those are the lyrics you sing. You're absolutely going to be able to manipulate a jury. That's not of his peers. And Let's that's, be honest. They were that's not the reason years. why I'm such a huge advocate. Number one, for people, when you are subpoenaed to go to court, go to court. And look, I'll say this firsthand. Us, at my race, my 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 family, my people, we are the worst at when it comes say to it, going Chris, to court. Because it is I'm hard just, to pick a jury sometimes over here. Yeah, yeah. So look, when <laughs> you're you like, can I get a little more mix up here? This is the Bay Area. Because hard. They need that influence. They need that that person that can come mm -hmm. up and say, hey, wait a minute now. Wait, th this guy doesn't probably doesn't even live this type of lifestyle. You hear that? Yeah. Black and brown folks show Black up brown. for jury duty, please. Show up for it. We need it. We have to have if you it. You were a defendant. You would want a jury of your peers. And we absolutely need, you know, more um, diversity and mm -hmm. reflection of, of what the defendant could where they could be from. I'd love to take it back to the uh, single witness cases. So cases that reasonable doubt has gotten behind in the past. Robert Jones, he's a free man now. That was a single witness case. Roosevelt Miles, he's a free man now. We, we've, we've done some good here. I am uh, patting yeah. this on the back. Um, there are three cases, one from last season and two from this season that you guys got behind. Michael Crump, Glenn Simmons, and Evaristo Salas. We'll see how those uh, progress. It's It hasn't been enough time really to get results yet. Um, but I want to go back to this case. And Chris, there was one thing that gave you pause. You spoke to a guy named Russell who was part of Max Honorage, and you asked him what happened that night. So you were right next to Max the night that this happened. Tell me exactly what happened, or what do you remember? I was waiting for Max to perform. Fight broke out. Step towards the fight, Max pulled me back. So we don't get involved, don't even go see what's happening. And I followed Mac outside the door. And at that point in time, Mac and I got separated. This is the account you got from Russell. But then when you spoke to Mac, you asked him what happened. So walk me through that night. Take me step by step what happened, as much as you remember. I remember talking to three people. Uh, there was two young ladies and a guy who was standing there. Do you remember who that guy was? I think it was James. And I remember seeing the fight. I heard the shot. And when I heard the shot, I kind of like backpedaled and uh, the young lady who was standing next to me, I kind of grabbed her arm and like pulled her down to the ground. And then, you know, I foolishly pulled the gun out of my pocket and ran towards my door looking for my mom. 
Okay. So the part that bothered you is obviously Russell had inserted himself and made him right by Mac's side when the shots rang out. And then Mac doesn't mention Russell at all. So I know you wrestled with that a little bit. Take us through your thought process and how you actually settled on it in the end. Max said that they were standing near the front door. So it's kind of understandable that you would hear him say they ran through the front door and Max says he, that he gets down. It's probably that Mac did run out through, get got down and ran out the front door and then remembered, okay, my parents are in here, so I need to pull out my weapon. So I can, re, re, I can reconcile that in my head. That's understandable. Those little fine points, those will be some of the things that, that can probably be reconciled in, in my head as an investigator. But the people that he was standing around in front of right around that same time, that was important for me because here are the people that if, if they were to be put on the stand, these are the same people that would be advocating for you, saying that you didn't you couldn't have done this because here we were here. We were all here. So you want those stories or you at least you want him to be able to name the people that he was standing around during that time and they couldn't do it. So uh, that was a little bit of uh, that was concerning to me. But overall, looking at this entire case, you know, I still had so many different problems in the way that the uh, the entire investigation was to, was was happening or uh, and, and the way that it took place. So those were a few him not being able to say ex the, the exact people that were standing around him while it gave me concern, it wasn't the a deciding factor in me mm -hmm. determining whether or not he's guilty, he's guilty or innocent. The good news in this case, because this case is very disturbing, it should absolutely disturb everyone. The fact that we have the one witness identification, the circumstances of that night, but also that we have somebody else who confesses to the crime, right? And as an expert on our show mentioned, it seemed like an authentic confession, like he was telling the truth. So it's very disturbing to think that this person has spent 21 years in prison for this crime, but especially for the victim's family. I'm I would be surprised if they haven't been shouting as well, demanding justice in this case or or asking questions about, you know, what about this other person that came forward and confessed? Um, but it's the only thing that I, I think comforts me. The only thing out of this entire case is that we are dealing with Louisiana. And back then, we know uh, Louisiana did not require unanimous jury verdicts. And there it was not a unanimous verdict in this mm -hmm. case. When you finally told the family that you were going to get behind the case, when you told uh, Sheila and McKinley, um, that was that was a very, very emotional moment. And really, for me, I remember exactly where I was sitting when that happened. But that was the moment when I realized that this show was more than just a show, that this was we, we had hit on something that was important and and pretty powerful. What you have had to endure. <laughs> as a father. Hopefully, something that was said, something that's been done here today will be a new day for you and your family. Hey, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate everything y'all doing and have done. I appreciate y'all. I really do, man. It is hard for me to even put myself in your shoes. I could never imagine what you've gone through. It's a real testament to your strength. As a family, as a father, you should consider yourself proud of the man that you are, because I'm proud to even sit here across the table from you. You have done an awesome job as a father. And it's time for us and this system to carry some of this weight for you, because we have failed. Yeah, man, my sinuses were acting a real bad. Chris, I have never <laughs> seen and, uh, you cry so you know, hard. Maybe I should try some of that uh, local Don't honey. Don't even that... lie. Yeah, <laughs> that was emotional. Yeah, it it was, man. <laughs> and and y'all y'all know how I am. Y'all y'all know my son. Y'all know how much I, I talk about him and how much I brag on him, man. Oh, CJ, my boy. So mm -hmm. you know, I can't imagine not. I can't imagine not being with my boy like that. Mm. I can't imagine it. And yeah, it, hurts to, it hurts to think about it, man. So this man has been fighting for his son for 
20 years for something that two investigators came in and looked at the case and agreed that, man, this is this is problematic. This is even years after us doing this episode, we're still crying and saying the same thing, man, that this is wrong. This could happen to our children. This could happen to anybody. If the it has circumstances, happened. How many people if, are behind bars under these if, same If the same, same type of circumstances present themselves, this could happen to anyone's children, and we should not be okay with it. We shouldn't. Mm-mm. So, yeah, this, is, uh, this one was uh, rough. I still get emotional about it. I still do. I, I appreciated, Chris, how you said, you know, as, a, as law enforcement, you felt shame that this is the kind of job they did. And that if that meant that you giving all that you've given to law enforcement and this career and missing out on your family time, if this was the kind of detective you were in the kind of cases that, you know, you basically were convicting people on, then it wouldn't feel right. It would be in vain. Those parents, they deserved better. They were good parents. Gosh, the fact that they were there and why the dad said he was there you know, because he knew yeah. this lifestyle could be dangerous and he, he knew his son wasn't really a part of it, but he just wanted to make sure. So he made sure to go to all the shows and be there. That that says a lot. It does. And it, and it's, it's not justice. It's not justice to the Victor family. And, you know, mm-hmm. they've reached out to me uh, on, on a few occasions and, you know, they they haven't been served justice. And, and that's the that's the worst part about it this young man is no longer with us the the work that was done on this case not only has affected mac his family and everyone surrounding him but it affects the victor family and that is one of the biggest tragedies because they're they're dealing with it every single day not having their son around and that's that's not okay at all You're listening to a bonus episode of the Reasonable Dad podcast. We're talking about the release of Mac Phipps, the very first episode that we did in season one. And when we come back, Chris and I have a chance to catch up with Mac and see how he's doing now that he's out of prison. We'll be right back. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Reasonable Dad podcast. All right, Chris. We finally got a chance to connect with Mac. Um, it has been, what, maybe a month or two since he's been released. Yeah, and um, it was really, really good to connect with him. So here is our conversation with Mac Phipps, a free man. Mac Phipps, what's going on, brother? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well, man. It is good to see you here right. at home with your family, man. It is, it is absolutely an honor for me to finally oh, get to see you man. in person. And guess what? It's an honor for me too. Yeah, man. So it, it, it I, I'm on. I'm on. Let's go ahead and get started, man. I, because I, I don't want to waste a, a moment of us uh, right. conversating about this, man. How, how's it been since you've been out, man? Uh, it's it's been an adjustment, but it's been great. It's been great, yeah. man. It, honestly, it's, it's been good. You know, it's good to reconnect with my family. Of course, Absolutely. it's been you know just just good to be free, man. Just to be away from that place, not having to be head counted, yeah. and um. And that's pretty much that's pretty much the gist of it. It's just been How, great, man. How's mom and dad doing? Oh, they good. They good. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I hug them and kiss them like a, a little kid every time I see them. So they 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 excited about that. They just glad I'm here. I don't blame you, man. You know when we uh, happy, you know we all happy right now. Yeah, that is great. You know when we uh first met and I met your dad, man. He and I, you know, I'm a father too, man. So it, it was it was uh. It was hard for me to sit there and look at your father and see the hurt on his face. You know, us as fathers, we always want to be there to protect our kids. And you're in a position where there's nothing he can do, man. I was just feeling that feeling. And I'm going to tell you, you know, at the end of this, I'll tell you exactly the reason why it was so touching. But I want to get into this interview, man. So um, were you able to to reconnect with some of the people that you uh, you, kind of lost contact with some of the friends that were out there? Yeah, well, you know, we we I, I kind of reconnected with pretty much not everybody so far, but with a lot of people, man. I just been going to see everybody. Just um, you know, everybody been wanting to see me, so I just been making sure I reconnect with the people that matter to me. Absolutely. So uh, we had D one on the episode when we uh, when we filmed this, and I, have, mm-hmm. I understand that you and he were very very close even during your time in prison. How, yeah, how- I actually. I actually met D at the prison. He came there to right? speak. At a, yeah, he came there to speak at an event that we had there, like in two thousand nine or eight. And man, we've been been good friends ever since. He's just a solid dude. Back then, I had a different partner than I have now. Uh, when she talked to him, talked to D one, he said that the lyrics that you uh, that you used in some of your raps um, were not really the type of person that you are. Was he true when right. he said that? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's when you know how I rap with hip hop. I don't think. Let me just state for the record. I think that most of the lyrics that most artists use are really more artistic expressions. Now, of mm-hmm. course, I I do think that there are some guys, a few guys that really talk about stuff that's actually true reflections of their life or lifestyle mm-hmm. at the time. But I think most of it is just art, bravado, braggadocia. I mean, that's what we do. And um, for me, um, I just was a battle rapper from way back. That's just what I did, you know, and 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 things changed. The language I used was a reflection of, I guess you would say the market that I found myself in at the time was I'm a company man. And whatever yeah. the market is demanding, I'm, uh-huh. I'm gonna push it. That's, that's the way, it, that was the mentality at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, the true reflection of, I think what he said is a true reflection of that. Okay. So, yeah, it's, I can understand that. We all are, have a, you know, whatever we have to add to this society, you know, we utilize that in order to to get ahead. I mean, look, mm-hmm. I, 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 I grew up in the streets and I, I'm not a, I hadn't been a police officer my entire life, but I mean, I've, right. I found something I was good at. That's my niche. So that's what I used to to try to get ahead. I, and I completely understand. And I feel that hip hop is the exact same way. Right. I totally agree. I totally okay. agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it, and Mac, this is a, 
Rob Rosen. I was the uh, I'm the executive producer of the of Reasonable Doubt. So uh, we were really uh, pleased that we were able to get behind your case. But isn't it really similar to like, I don't know, you have a Scorsese movie, Goodfellas or something like that. I mean, nobody thinks, uh, oh, Martin Scorsese is a serial killer. I mean, he's have he has movies with tons of death counts or, you know, Schwarzenegger right, right. has movies and, you know, right. kills a bunch of people. But for some reason, when it comes to rap, everybody somehow thinks that there's no separation between the artist and the lyrics. Well, I, I think I think that um, for two reasons, I think one of the reasons is that um, as hip hop artists, we some hip hop artists, we oftentimes some hip hop artists oftentimes give the impression that they are true to what they're saying, because I think it adds to the marketability, actually. Unfortunately, it adds to the, uh, the marketability. So they promote this idea that they are true to what they're saying. When I think in most cases, that's false. And um, as far as with the movies and, you know, I, I don't like to point fingers, but what I'll say is, there is obviously a different um, approach when dealing with actors, like you said, versus uh, hip hop artists. I think just society at large tend to be more judgmental of mm-hmm. hip hop artists than they do actors. Mm-hmm. For what reasons? I don't want to speculate. I'm just stating the obvious. I think we all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so. Um, you know, Mac, after we reviewed your case and um, I learned what I learned about how you were prosecuted and the investigation that went into your prosecution. You know, I've been a part of several interviews or uh, several interviews advocating for you and advocating for the the, the change in, 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 in investigations. Uh, one thing that I've heard on more than one occasion while I'm doing these interviews is about a conspiracy to take down No Limit Records. Now, uh, do you believe that there was a conspiracy or do you and do you think that your case was a part of it? I don't want to speculate, but I do know that we were being followed at times. I do. You know, I did. These are things. This is what I can speak from firsthand uh, experience. We were being followed at times. We were being watched. But I'll just say it just so happened we were all getting locked up right behind each other. So uh-huh. I want to speculate why. Or, but I'll just say that. It's a hell of a coincidence. Right. But I do know that we were being watched and being followed. That I know firsthand. Look, I, I was a, a, a cop during that time, and I remember the type, the, the effects of a No Limit record, you know, when we played it at clubs and parties and things of that nature. I, well, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is you, you're, you're a guy that's coming from, you know, New Orleans. You don't have a... You didn't grow up, you know, being a, a, a millionaire right. type artist. And then here's this guy, Master P, that that has this this huge following and 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 has something special. He sees something special in you, signs you. And then how was it to the to, to change? We I know I felt you felt like you were a part of something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And I can say that it uh, it did feel like I was a part of something bigger than me and something that was moving and something that was relevant around the world. And um, I think from that perspective, it felt good. It felt good to know that I was a part of something that was that was big, it was um, relevant, and it was moving. You know, it was moving. It, it appeared to be moving upward. And um, it, it felt good. You know, I, I think a lot of a lot of times we were misjudged, but uh, as far as from a business standpoint, this was a real business and it was ran, when I tell you, like a business slash military, like it was, it was, you know, serious business. Yeah. And um, it was, it was just a, a fun time for me because of course I was 19, 20, 21 years old. So, right. you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was something, man. Let's talk about the night that, um, uh all of this happened the night that changed the, the whole trajectory of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we, we discussed it over the, uh, uh, when we did the show and, and, and talked about some of the things that happened, but I, I you know, but I do want to ask some questions about it. So, um, tell me about that night. Let's talk about that night. How, how was it? How was the vibe at, at the club? And, and let's just talk about it. Let's. Well, I mean, it was, I guess it was, uh, 
normal at, in comparison to other nights at clubs. Um, mm-hmm. The trans and the tra- and let me state the tragedy, you know, that happened to that young man. And um, you know, I it, it was one of those things that when I in re- reflection, you know, I just wish that it could all been undone. You know, things that it's, it's certain things that you can't undo. Yeah. You know, and that was one of those nights in my life that I wish I could have just replayed over again, like yeah. hit a restart button and wish that it never happened. When the cops first came and talked to you about this, you probably thought, OK, they're just going to ask you a few questions and this right, is, right. is going to go away. What was the point when you realized, oh, my God, this literally could turn into something where they're going to press charges against me? I mean, was there a moment where you're like, shit, like they really right. are looking at me seriously? Right. So, okay. So here's the weird thing. I had no idea someone was actually shot until I got to my house. When I got to my house, the guy who was uh, babysitting my my brothers, my younger siblings, told me that St. Tammany Parish called and were looking for me to question me about a shooting. It was at that moment that I came to the realization that someone had been shot. Now, at the club, I heard the gunshot. We all ran out of the club. But I didn't know that someone was actually shot until I got to my house. So now, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, because I didn't shoot anyone, they're going to question me, of course. I mean, this was an event. I had my posters on the wall there, so of course they're going to talk to me. So I just thought it was going to be like more formality. Okay, what happened? What you remember? This, that, and the other. So when they took me to the... um, I think it was the Klein Peter substation and they were questioning me. I mean, I was still um, feeling confident about going home because they hadn't told me that someone died yet either. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, the person who was shot, obviously he knows who shot him and we're just being questioned. This is just protocol, you know, cop protocol. A guy came in the room and whispered to the detective. And then the detective turned to me and that's when he informed me that it had went from a shooting or an investigation to a shooting to an investigation of a homicide. So that's when it was that all moment for me, because now the person whom I felt would eventually tell them what happened to him was now deceased. Mm. Now this charge can be really pointed in anybody's direction. So let's talk about uh, one of the probably the most pivotal points in, in this case, Mac. Uh, and, and one, and it was one of the things that made my jaw just drop because I I had never heard of anything like this before, but you, there was another guy that actually confessed mm-hmm. to your case. Yeah. Right. So, so, and from my reading now, I don't want to say his name or anything like that, right. or, or, but um, I understand that this man was rather close to you. And he actually went down to the police department and and mm-hmm. confessed. And this this was was this after you were arrested? Yeah, it was like ten days after my arrest, I believe. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Had prior to that, had you already known that um, um, who was the actual person that committed committed this murder? Well, what happened was, I was. I was told a couple days earlier, I was like, man, such and such said that he, you know, he, he was feeling guilty and he was feeling bad and he just, he, he was fighting with it, right? Mm-hmm. And that he was thinking about turning himself in and mm-hmm. he did. And I thought at that point, I'm going home. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, so if he, if this guy is the person who did it and he's going to tell them he did it, you know, I was in the dorm, like getting ready to. I'm thinking it's over with. You know, this yeah. I'm thinking that this is how this works. If someone comes clean and say they did it, and you know, I'm gonna be let go. But that's not what happened. Who all came to the club with you that night? It was aunts, uncles, and neighborhood friends, mm-hmm. cousins. It was I was probably there with just with me with who I came there with. It probably was around 20, 25 people. Mm-hmm. that I came that way. Yeah, that's right. We spoke to one of them, uh, Russell. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. standing next to me. Uh, one thing that I was looking for you to say, and I can say this now, I mean, you're mm-hmm. out and all of this is behind us, but one thing that I was looking for you to say was to tell me that Russell was there with you uh, during, the, during the time that the shooting actually happened. And that's mm-hmm. how investigators go to verify some of the, the mm-hmm. statements that they get. So when you, when we talked, 
I was hoping that, yeah, man, Russell was right here with me. You know, I, that's what I was looking to hear for. I didn't get that from you. Right. So uh, during the episode, I kind of, you know, I, I told your mom and, and your dad that I, I didn't get the exact same story. So, uh, but I think later you came back and cleared it up that Russell was with you. See, I thought she was, when, when you originally asked, I thought she was speaking of the people who are, I was standing there, to, I, I really wasn't even thinking you were referring to, as you would say, this was my entourage. Uh-huh. I was standing to the right of me were this young lady, her friend, and uh, her friend's boyfriend. And that's who I was talking to right there. But once the shots were fired, that's when I turned this way. Russell was standing here, and I think Daryl, who is now deceased, was standing somewhere like in front of me. Mm-hmm. And and we all ran. Yeah. Wow. Mac, I have a, I have a question. When we, when you spoke to uh, to Chris uh, back when we were looking into your case, you just had no bitterness, and even now, you just—it doesn't seem like you allowed that to eat you up. But there's got to be a moment, right? You're a young kid. You're making money. You're living the dream. You're performing in front of crowds. They all love you. And then the next thing you know, you're being convicted of something you didn't do. I mean, there right. had to be a dark moment where you're like, you are going into a, a dark place. Did you? Did that ever happen, or did you always oh, keep your head uh, up? Oh, well, the, the dark moment, I, I, I would like to just add that it was dark moments with S, like a whole bunch of them. So <laughs> let me just say that for the record. It were it was several dark moments. You know, it's it's one of the things that I um, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a religious person per se, but you know, I do have my personal beliefs and and I do believe in prayer. So um for me, one of my prayers were it was two things that I I that I asked and that, that carried me through this time. One of them was I prayed to not ever get black hearted. I never wanted to become a dog bitter person because of what happened to me, because I, I just, I didn't think that was a good way to live or a way. I, I didn't think it would be productive for me in any, any man, any way, shape or form. So I always, you know, even though I had those moments, those were the times where I went and I prayed, just like, I don't, I don't want to feel like this. I never liked feeling like that. It used to make my stomach hurt. I, you know, it wasn't a good feeling. Um, the other thing was, you know, I, I was I was new to prison. I didn't know anything about it. So, of course, I had the natural fears that the average person that uh, goes into an unknown environment have. And I didn't trust what I would become in response to what I thought prison was going to be. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to become a person who was just fighting and beating people all the time because of my fears of the way prison life is. And um, those were the two things that I, I I battled mentally and emotionally against, and they kind of carried me through. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is uh, amazing for me to hear, Mac. You have, we have a lot of guys that I talk to. I have a lot of guys that have been in the prison for as many years. Um, that you have and they get out and they're very, very bitter. They've gone into that dark place. What can you offer up to any of those guys that may be listening to this podcast? Um, I would say to them that I feel you. I have been there. First-hand experience. I know what those feelings like. And um, they know the answer because they know as well as I know it's not a good feeling. And I don't like feeling bad. So... I would encourage them to find ways to, um, whether it's through prayer or through just doing productive stuff. It's why I volunteered in the prison. It's why I found things that um, put me in a position to help others that were going through even worse things that I was going through. Through that, it humbled me and it helped me. Um, it helped me view my situation from a different perspective and to also view it from your victims or your victim's family perspective. You know what I mean? Just knowing that, you know, yes, this may have been a terrible thing that happened to you, but how do you think those people feel? They lost their family member. So yes, you are going through something that is wrong. You may have been wronged by the quote unquote um, legal system, but this family lost their loved one, they're going through something that they can't get back. And it's it's those type of 
thoughts that kept me humble and kept me um, mindful of of the bigger picture of what was going on. So if you had anything that you could uh, say to the Victor family, what would it be? I would say to them that I am terribly sorry and emphatically sorry that this happened to your your loved one because I believe that I failed to adequately provide a safe environment for the patrons of that event. And, you know, we have fought this case for 21 years to prove my innocence because legally I was innocent of this crime. I had nothing to do with what led to the fight that killed this young man. I had nothing to do with uh, the killing itself. But my responsibility was, this was my event, Chris, and that was not supposed to happen. So evidently it was my youth or lack of responsibility or whatever it was, I, I hold my my feet to the fire for this happening to that young man and his family. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, what, if I remember right, your trial was right after 9-11, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so it's been 20 years. Um, how, how much has the world changed? Does it just feel strange being oh, out here? Oh, I feel like a, a, a dinosaur. I feel like a dinosaur, <laughs> like a fish out of water. Everybody's walking around on their phone, their heads are down, nobody's talking to each other. This is crazy. People text each other in the same room. This is weird. <laughs> this is weird. When I left the streets, the phones were flipping, and uh, all you can do is chirp with the uh, little next <laughs> I think so we were better off back then, actually. Me too. Me too. Wow. Three, dinos- three dinosaurs having a conversation about that. <laughs> My wife has to, everything dealing with technology, my lovely wife here has to take care of it because <laughs> I don't know nothing about what's going on with this technology. That is good, man. It, are, 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 do we have a comeback album coming? That's that was gonna be my next question uh, right there. Ah, see the way this is the way my the way I'm the way my mind is kind of set up. I'm set up to deflect that question. No. <laughs> I would say, say to you that yeah, we got something coming. Man, see that that's that, that is because see that, that, that's great for me to hear, Brad. Because I don't even remember if you if you remember this portion because uh, I don't think it aired. But you and I had that when we were doing our interview. Uh-huh. Uh, I asked you if you were going back into music, and you said no, no, no. <laughs> so it, it's good to hear that you're back in the studio. You're doing yeah. something, man. Because look, Brad, hip hop needs you right now. We do. Man, and look, hip hop saved my life. So I need hip hop. So, uh, you know, and and and, I, and you probably, when I when I talked to you at that time, I probably was in one of the moments where I was like, you know what, I ain't thinking about hip hop. <laughs> because guess what? Me and hip hop has been, ah, we've been kind of tied to each other since 1984. We yeah. have a very strange relationship. I mm-hmm. hate her some days. She hates me some days. I don't want to be bothered with her. And then we come back. And no matter how far I try to push away from her, it's like she'd be looking at me like, you see everything? <laughs> <laughs> you like that girlfriend you just can't get rid right, of. Right, right. You, know, you can't. It's like, we in this for life, dude. You can't go, <laughs> you go. <laughs> That's right. Now I'm looking forward to the album. I know I don't look the part, Mac, but uh, Chris can tell you, he and I uh, take long road trips for this show and uh, and and. I've got a pretty good playlist, so Uh-oh. looking forward to adding it. Mac, Mac, you would not believe this dude's playlist, man. Uh, you you wouldn't believe it, bro. And and it's not it's not like you know it's just some of this new hip hop that's coming out. I'm talking about just some of the old stuff too, yeah. you know. So so yeah, dude, it, it's, it's extensive. Like, I was impressed. I mean, I, and I'm gonna tell you, I like some of the hip the new hip hop that's out. I like yeah. some of it. when it got some substance. I like it, but I'm old, man. I mean, I, I've I've come to the conclusion that. I'm old, so I like old stuff. I feel just the way the older people when we were growing up felt when they would tell us that music is garbage. That's how right. I feel. Uh, <laughs> right. But you know, look, hey, I, I love having hip hip hop hip hop conversations. Most folks don't believe how, how deep I am in the hip hop man, but I love it. So yeah, I, I and there I found that there are some new artists that have some really good substance, but they don't get the same play as some of these mumble rappers that's getting yeah, out yeah. there. You know, that's, so. that's the wave. As they told me, I, I learned that word. They told me that's the wave. So yeah. they said, 
you know, they, they didn't call it the wave. Well, I ain't called the wave. I, I can't swim, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in the wave. I'm just not catching it. Right, right, right. So, I'm, so let everybody know I'm old, so my music is a reflection of me. Old. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, by the way, your your parents were such. Uh, you know, when we did the show, your parents were such the the emotional heart of the of the show. How are they doing with you back? I mean, obviously they're ecstatic. And are you still helping your mom out at her uh, her art gallery? Oh yeah, actually, um, me and my wife has an uh, we have an office. Uh, office with our studio in it and um it's right across the hall from my mother's art gallery yeah. so she's literally right across the hall so now we all you know we kind of all here and you know my mom is my mom is, is is the my mom is is was the when i watched the um the, the reasonable doubt you know we all know it's like a running joke with us we know my mom gonna be my mom gonna keep that that poker face my dad, yes. you gonna break down. Dad gonna break down. <laughs> dad, when it comes to me, when it comes to my dad talking about one of his kids, he gonna break down. That's yeah, it. man. Yo, well, so, I, so. I think everybody broke down at the end of that episode. I think yeah, y'all got my brother I, to cry. That blew my mind. I, I never seen my brother cry in my life. When I really? saw Chad cry, I was like, "Whoa, this is this is a, a, a momentous moment." That that we that was all just light and you know they they like to flash those lights in my eyes and and that stuff that was coming yeah, out of yeah, my yeah, eyes. Yeah. It's just eyeball yeah, sweat, yeah. bro. That's all it was. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I did. You know, being in prison, I, I used to just like look in the air, play it off. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I definitely appreciate it, Chris. And uh, I, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can I can tell sincerity. I kind of got a little. I got a radar that that sense yeah. of sincerity, and when I watched the show, I could tell that you, you were sincere. I was, man. At the at the time, I think I might have shared this with your mom or your dad. I, I you know, when we can, when we went back to New Orleans uh, the year after when we were filming, I, I took your mom. I was trying to take your dad out to 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 dinner one night, and we were supposed to go. She said we need to go to Dookie Chasers. That's what your mom told me. So. Okay. We went over there and and they were closed or something like that. So we ended up going to another restaurant. But the next time I'm down there, I'm taking your mom out to Dookie Chases, and I would love for you and your wife and anybody oh, else yeah. you want to bring. I want to yeah, I want to take y'all out there so I can experience the New Orleans. So, but the reason why I um, I was going through a lot during your episode, man, is because my son. I was having problems with my son. Rob knows this, and I think I told your mom about it, man. I was having problems with my son. And, um, you know, we weren't even speaking. And my son was at 17, 18 years old at the time, man. We weren't even hardly speaking. I just didn't think that he was putting his best foot forward. But then when I sat across from the table with your father, and here's a man that loves his son just as much as I love my son, and he can't even grab his son when he wants to. Right, right. That was... uh, it's kind of sobering. It's one of it, it, it is, man. It, it, it and now, man, I went home, man, and I think um, after we got home, I stayed at, at home with my boy, man, and, and we just sat down and talked. And then the next time we went out, man, I flew him out with me. I just didn't want to even let him go. So your family and y'all story has such an impact on me, man. That that it, it affects me to this day. So and, 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 and I appreciate I'm y'all glad. allowing us to come in, man. And and if that was the hey, and if if that's if that was the effect or if that was the purpose for mm-hmm. us meeting, then I'm cool with that because I'm gonna tell you, when I was in prison, seeing other people, and that's what I, I guess I was trying to elaborate on earlier, seeing other people go through stuff that was worse than me, mm-hmm. is what kind of sobered me up and kept me humble. Like the guy who slept across from me, he had been locked up 46 years for a rape he didn't commit. And Mm -hmm. the Innocence Project eventually got him out like a couple years ago. But this was the most humble, great person that you could ever be around. He always had a smile on his face every day and you can ask him for anything. And he was in prison during a time where it was hell. And that's the kind of situation that pretty much kept me uh, like, yo, dude, you think you got it bad? This man got a life sentence. You know you're going home one day. One yeah. day you going, they got to release you out of this place. This guy has a life sentence. And in Louisiana, there is no parole for a life sentence. Right. So um, it's stories like that that always reminded me that if you think you got it bad, look at this. So yeah. sit your butt down somewhere is basically what was being told to me. Right, right, right. That's deep, man. Well, thank you so much for the update, and uh, God, we can't we can't wait for uh, we're going to be looking for that release, that album All release. Right. 
I, yeah, and, I, and I look forward to hearing your feedback on the release. And I'm going to say again, my disclaimer is I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm an artist. Yo, I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it, bro. I really am looking forward to it. So yeah, I will, uh, will it'll be played many a times before Rob and I get together. We'll sit down and, and uh, we may, have to, we may have to get it on the podcast again or something. I don't know what I, yeah, yeah 100%. I'm with it, bro. I am with it. Well, anyway, man, it's been a pleasure and an honor to talk to you see, and see you face-to-face while you're on this side, man. You take care of yourselves. And if there's anything that I can do or anybody on this show can do for you, man, you let us know. I'm ashamed. Yeah. And y'all take care of yourself. Chris, Rob, y'all take care Thank of yourself. Let me y'all need Thank you, man. Just call me again. I'll be back. Got you, man. Right. We appreciate you, brother. Great so, to talk to you. Yeah, man, it was a pleasure to talk to Mac. I'm really, really proud and happy to hear that he's back in the studios and doing music because, you know, he was unsure about when when we talked to him during the episode, he was unsure about going back into music. But now it's really, really good to hear that he's uh, uh, still working in his passion and he's trying to move forward with his life. And now he's doing it as a free man. So that was great. He He's. He just sounds like a really great guy that he's healed so much from this, doesn't carry that bitterness. And his I absolutely love his compassion for the family. That's something that showed on the episode when it aired years ago, and it still shows today how much he wants justice for that family. And he even took that on himself when when uh, Chris and I spoke to him, where he said, look, I was in a situation where this was a concert where people were going to my show, my fans, and I wasn't able to protect them. He's actually even taking a little bit of that on, which was yeah. I thought was really amazing. Yeah, that was amazing and for him to go 20 years in prison and still feel even though he still maintains his innocence, but he still feels responsible for this man's death because he says that. He didn't protect him. Uh, he didn't provide a safe environment for the people that were there. That's that's huge. I really hope his attorney is able to uh, to to get him an exoneration in the end, and he's properly compensated. Because when you're just released, early release on parole, you don't you don't have that opportunity, right? Nobody's saying you were wrongfully convicted, and and that's what he deserves in this case. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, as you always say. The show's mission is either to free a family or to free a convict. And in this case, it's uh, really rewarding to feel as though whatever small part we may have had in it, but we helped free uh, an innocent man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's the reason why we do the show, man. It's, I mean, it's, it's not we've said this on some of our interviews that we've had and, and me and Fatima and I do, do our you know, our Instagrams and things of that nature is, is much bigger than a show. And we always have this conversation. It's much bigger than a show that we're doing. We are affecting people's lives and that carries a huge weight. It carries a huge weight. And, I, and, and I'm glad that we all understand it and, and uh, we, we utilize it to the best of our abilities. And I'm, I'm just proud that there are times when we do feel, oh, you know, maybe we could possibly help, but if we're not all, if we're not together on it, um, then, you know, you just, you don't want to give false hope to families. That That's the issue at the end of the day. I know a lot of people, you watch our show and you feel like we're giving people false hope just by listening to their case, but these are people who have had questions for years. These are people who want some answers and whether or not they like the answers doesn't matter. They're getting answers. They're getting responses to things that they've wondered about. They're getting experts that they don't have to pay for to give opinions on things. And experts can be very pricey if these people wanted it on their own. So the reality is it it would be better for us to sit there and say, I'm sorry, we can't help you rather than give them false hope to continue a fight for years to come. But when we do stand behind a case, uh, which I would have absolutely had I been your partner then been with you on this case, it feels great because you know that we're not giving this family false hope. It might be an upward battle for sure. It's, it's, it's difficult when you're dealing with appeals, but we're right there with the family. We're going to get the fans to join in. We're going to get people to help um, because we really believe in a case and, and we don't think it's giving the family false hope. We think in the end, it can end up like this, where somebody is either early, early release, paroled early, or hopefully exonerated. 
you know, we can't really count the 10 episodes and the 10 cases that you guys did in season four, because that just happened. But um, there were 30 cases before then. And five of those people that are profiled are out of prison, are free. Um, one we didn't get behind, but there are five people that are out. So I think um, the magnitude and the impact that you guys have can't be understated. I think that um, it's, you know, what you guys are doing is a service, whether and wh- whether it's freeing the family and letting them know this fight's probably not going to go anywhere or whether it's really getting behind an injustice, like in this case, um, you guys do good work. So... Hopefully we will see you all for a uh, for a season five. We will keep our fingers crossed. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to this bonus uh, episode of the Reasonable Doubt podcast. My name's Rob Rosen. I'm the creator and executive producer of Reasonable Doubt. And my name is investigator Chris Anderson. I'm a retired homicide detective and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Fatima Silva, criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. Thanks for supporting us this season. Hopefully, we will see you again soon. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.